This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. In our last episode, we started speaking with Giuseppe Carollo, head of pharmacy insurance at Carollo Horton, and he described the basics of what insurance is, why it's important, and how it works. In today's episode, we refine our thinking of risk by exploring the scope and value of quality healthcare domain-oriented insurance advice, challenging the consumer mindset of younger business owners, and seeing how high-quality insurance advice can help cash flow and the future of insurance in healthcare and health tech businesses. Let's jump in. The um, if it's not if it's not a sort of an unusual way to say, it, but I guess what what's hot in insurance at the moment? Like what are the what what are the key things that are coming up time and time again at the moment? Let's just say perhaps over the last three to six months. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, the hot topics we're seeing at the moment is probably I'd say probably twofold. The first of which is people saying. I really need to save some money this year. What can we do uh, around levels of cover and this and that? And then when you talk about that, it's not about saving money on the bottom line. It's about, tell me more about your business. Okay, so your business has a little bit less stock in it now. So because you're stocking less on the shelves, because your suppliers can't get you as much product, therefore we can reduce the stock levels on your policy, saving you money. So the first the first thing we're seeing is people saying, I want to save money. This is very much a difference, especially in Victoria, during COVID a couple of years ago, there was a lot of money being being pumped in by the federal and state governments into especially Victoria. So a lot of the businesses had a lot of business grants at that point. So they were saving something quite good in that, in that regard over that period. But now that they're making money back then, now they want to really save it. That's probably the first thing. The other thing we're seeing a lot of what's hot is, especially now coming to the end of June, there are still a lot of businesses that are investing in the economy. We're seeing people that are buying new cars, new machine, it's machinery that are stocking up on on stock in this financial year. So we're seeing a lot of people spending a lot of money in in that sort of space as well. But in types of insurance product that we're seeing, we're seeing very much a lot around cyber insurance, as I touched on earlier. We're seeing a bit of a push into as businesses become a bit more mature, a bit more of a of a conversation around management liability insurance to protect the directors and and things in the in the in the management side. And we're also seeing a bit more of a push as as the car industry in Australia goes has closed down now, and we're going to fully imported kind of cars. We're seeing a lot more what used to be called luxury cars coming out of Europe that are now becoming mainstream cars in Australia, but they are a lot more expensive to repair and maintain. So we're seeing that the car industry, car insurance industry, is changing a bit more as well. Are those sort of spaces um, on the claims side? I am seeing a lot more claims relating to stock spoilage from fridge stock so that the power supplies, power networks are becoming unreliable. A lot more storms will, will knock down a tree, which will then break a power line somewhere, which then means that that, that pharmacist stock, run, you know, the electricity gets turned off to that stock. And we've got pharmacists that are mitigating that now with electronic battery backup, um, temperature monitoring and power monitoring systems. So that they get an alert on their phone to say that the the fridge temperature is increasing or that the power has gone out. 
that they can mitigate that risk that we were talking about earlier, that risk in that pharmacy by adjusting that. We are seeing um, over the last six months a lot more weather event-based damages, although thankfully that's kind of leveled out now and then having an El Nino summer coming up now should sort of simplify those strong winds and strong sort of storms and things that we've we've had a lot of claims. So yeah, the number one claim we're seeing, especially in our pharmacy sector, is actually due to those fridge power out outages now as the number one. That's, that's great, great insights um, because obviously um, <clears throat> the only thing that never changes is change itself. You know, there's always <laughs> evolution and we're going through some pretty uh, extraordinary times in modern history around um, mm-hmm. impacts on the economy, um, ramifications of uh, governmental policy choices over recent years, um, even impacts on culture um, in terms of how um, people are choosing to consume goods and services these days. So mm. there's a lot of disruption, a lot of disruption going on, and, and that does require a bit of a, um, a closer look at, um, hey, is my business still operating the way that I thought it was operating? Um, did we um, pivot somewhat during the lockdowns and um, perhaps didn't factor that in? Um, I know, you know, we, we deal with um, healthcare providers and with health tech uh, businesses, and they um, they kind of have um, similar, but also a few different um, unique areas of risk uh, to to sort of consider. Um, and I kind of want to ask you a question in two parts here. One is sort of from the point of view of um, somebody listening and sort of saying, "Look, maybe I need to take stock here. Maybe I need to do a little bit of a review." Um, and uh, I know that through the journey of business, you know, you you, you often start. Um, from a position of not having a lot of surplus cash or capital to be able to work with your business. You know, it's, it's, it's more likely when you start a business that um, you're not flush with, with, um, with capital and cash. And so mm. sometimes, uh, again, using that consumer thinking versus business thinking, it can be easy to sort of defer putting things in place because you feel that that money could be used better elsewhere um, and in of itself, that may make sense at that point in time, but is it the right mindset? Should people be sort of looking at, um, insurance as something that is, um, not one size fits all. It's something that if you're a startup and you're only turning over a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, um, there's certain insurance products that can fit with that type of budget versus a $20 million turnover organization uh, you know, that has a different scale of, um, of risk. How, how would you, how would you, uh, guide perhaps or, um, or, or help people navigate that so that, mm. you know, they can sort of develop their relationship with the whole concept of working with an advisor and insurance at any stage in their business. Um, and then, and then I'll sort of lead into, um, how you see that evolving over time, the future of insurance and the future of risk. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that with the first part of that question, definitely there's different solutions for different scales of businesses because there's different risks that different the different businesses have as well. So with the, with the smaller startup type businesses, they would have to really look after what's, you know, the risks of what's important to them. So the risk for them really is if my, if it's a, a sort of say, say, let's go, let's go with sort of a bit more of a tech and health tech type business. They're developing some sort of little little R&D product and they've just got a first production run of some sort of a sort of sort of tech product and they've received that and it's coming on a, on a shipping container from China and 
they've got all their eggs in that in that shipping container because they've you know mortgaged their house to pay for this product to be developed and that sort of stuff. So you know, there's a like, huge amount of risk there. So in that, when you know we want to make sure there's some coverage on that on that container as it comes in to make sure that it's all all sorted for them. But even that product as an IT tech company, they would have some sort of professional indemnity public liability part for that for that sort of startup business. And and then really, you know. We try to be practical with the insurance advice and scale it to the right size they've got. So they might do just the one shipment once a year, whereas we have larger tech companies and larger logistic companies that are, are shipping containers almost on a daily basis as they've grown up to that scale. So as they get to that point, they then have a lot more risks and a lot more different types of risks that are sort of protecting their business in that regard. And it's just understanding the right the right products, the right scale, but it all just starts with a conversation. Every client, big, small, even if it's someone who, like the other day, just came to us with an idea, hey, I want to I wanna start to produce something around the, the medicinal cannabis sort of sort of area as that's starting to become legalized in Australia. And, and, and yeah, I've got this really interesting idea and I'm going to do this, this and that with it. And they come to us to talk about the risks as they're building their risk management plan that's then going to go into their their sort of round of, of funding requests and their business cases they're producing for that that sort of strategy. And so it's really, really great to have those conversations from day one, from from the, the ground floor, and then we ride in the elevator with these businesses as they go up and up and up, and then they have more and more insurance needs as their businesses grow and become more complex. But it really, there's so many different types of insurances depending on different businesses, different needs, different segments, whether it's a, a tech in healthcare or a tech in in you know, a generic IT support or a software as a service type business, or if it's a in the medical space, a, a doctor has different risks to a pharmacist through to a physio through to an online um, telehealth provider as well, which we do a little bit of work with there. And so it's just such a broad a broad path path there as well. Um, I've digressed. I've just forgotten the second part of your question there, into you know what is the future of insurance yeah, of and course. risk as you said perhaps if we sort of look down the road five plus years um what's the industry sort of you know either buzzing about or perhaps shitting itself over a little bit you know what what I, what's I the next five years of those like? would be the great way to just be the great way to describe um technology technology advancements in in health tech especially but also in the wider economy there's this whole you know this whole conversation we don't need to go into now around ChatGPT when it launched December to what's happening now and how that's massively affected the education systems. You know, do people are people scared of tech, or are they going to embrace it and teach people how to do do things? Yep, and and do that. So I think if we we take that down to, um, if we take that down to the insurance and there's this health health tech space, what I see. On my side, is a lot more insurance, so a lot more risks coming out of tech, and it's not just going to be cyber risk. It's going to be the advancement of AI being used everywhere. We even have AI in use on the back end in our insurance industry in a small amount, just to assist with back end processing. That work that used to be done by somebody in in the Philippines is now being done by AI, and that person in the Philippines is now actually being effectively upskilled even further. To, 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 to be talking to customers on the phones and supporting um, you know, the risk management reviews and things like that. Not that we do too much of that, but this is what we're seeing in the insurance industry. Um, 
And so I see that coming across to our clients in the healthcare section, section in that, that sort of technology section of the industry. And where we saw that more recently with, with pharmacies moving to e-prescriptions and pushing that e-script delivery model into Australia finally in the year 2022. Whereas when I was living in, in Europe in 2005 in the Netherlands, the doctor there would say to me, which pharmacy would you like me to send your script to? And I'm like, hang on, how does this work? Don't you give me a little bit of paper? No, no, no. We just, yeah, back then it was like a secure email thing that went to the pharmacy. And by the time I walked to the pharmacy, the script was already sitting there on the shelf for me to pay for with my name on it and read it and get the advice over the counter there. It took, you know, 15 years plus for that to basically, that technology to come into Australia. And we are seeing it bringing some benefits into the pharmacy sector in Australia because then the scripts are, are no longer getting lost. They're all tracked to that patient. The, the pharmacists understand what's going on with them. And it has streamlined a bit of that process there. But the technology that's coming into everything will revolutionize the industry. But we're very unique in healthcare that you cannot get an AI bot, at least yet, to give you a, a physio um, treatment. It's not going to uh, replace those tangible things where a doctor is going to look in your throat to see what's wrong. It's not quite there yet for those sort of things, but it really, really is interesting to see how health tech is starting to come through with the, the, the like Apple Watch, blood pressure monitoring, detecting falls, those sort of tech, tech things that are coming through and then sending that tech data to the doctor who can then do some diagnosis. And I think that that's where the industry, I think, is evolving. And then the insurance risks that come along with that is that what if that piece of technology is that the remote Bluetooth connected blood pressure cuff monitor that monitors your blood pressure automatically every 30 minutes throughout the whole day and sends the data to the doctor. What if that was out of calibration and it yep. then was sending the wrong data to the doctor and the doctor made a prescription based on incorrect data that then led to adverse health outcomes for that patient and effectively the provider of that, the health tech company that invented and, and managed that, that, that blood pressure cuff then gets sued but they're not so stressed because they have a really good professional indemnity policy and good product liability policy yeah. for the tech that went into that that cuff. And, and I think that this is where we're going to start to see a lot more insurance risk issues is when people start to rely more and more on technology and assuming that the technology is always correct when maybe it's not. And then if it's not, what's the impact? What happens when it's not correct? And 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 how do you mitigate the risks on on the technology failing? And then all you know, the humans can always fail. We know about that. We mitigate that. But now there's this whole technology bit coming through, and how do we manage that? And I think that's really future of health tech um, is 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 a very bright, exciting future. And I think that the that risk profile with insurance supporting that health tech R and D, I think is 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 really really interesting to see how we evolve our products to support what you and your customers are, and your listeners are actually developing as well. Um, really good advice, uh, Giuseppe, because uh, the, the life of a founder is often uh, consumed with the, um, the drive that emanates out of their passion to solve mm. a problem or, or attend to a, to a group of customers. And so all of a sudden, you know, you're sort of mindful of what's all about the product, but then you realise, oh, actually, um, there's a business to run around this. 
And um, part of being a good business operator is not just necessarily having a good product, but you also have to be able to think about the risks and have good governance in place uh, to make sure that, um, you know, you're protecting uh, the business against unforeseen or perhaps statistically remote, unlikely events Mm. that just can happen. Um, So, you know, such as life, these things uh, tend to happen. Uh, You know, I live in a part of uh, Melbourne, for example, that uh, recently got flooded, Um, uh, one in a hundred year event. Um, So, you know, these things, uh, we can all walk through life assuming that everything's going to be um, the same as today, just just nice and dandy, but tomorrow brings a whole new um, realm of possibilities. So it's good to understand. And even, even there's opportunities. Even there's opportunities too, like we've got a pharmacist who's delivering, rural pharmacist that's delivering medicines via drone. And it's amazing to do some, we provide her some insurances and, and things. And she's, she's, it's a fantastic opportunity, as you said, to where these things, where it's going to help out rural healthcare and things. And I, I guess one, one last thing I'll just I'll sort of add in to see whether that's sort of consistent with um, um, your, the way you're looking at, at things as well. Um, we have seen a lot of evolution, you know, we, we've talked a lot about uh, protecting, you know, the business, its assets, um, its revenue, um, its profitability, its bottom line. Um, but we, we, we are evolving in a direction uh, that businesses need to also think about the well-being of their teams uh, and the mm-hmm. people that are working. And um, you, you have sort of remarked a little bit on things such as uh, uh, director and executive indemnity and other types of management sort of policies that could be put in place to help with some of the risks that directors and business owners are personally um, exposed to. Um, is there a sort of a um, an, an emerging uh, product or um, aspiration from the insurance sector to support some of the growing risks that um, C-level executives and directors will face um, in, in healthcare but also in all businesses? when it comes to potential um, workplace injury uh, for mental health. Is that something that's on the horizon? Yeah, yeah, we definitely are seeing some claims in growing in that sort of space of sort of, of that sort of we used to call the stress leave type type claims and things like that. So we do already have some support in those spaces through the, the work 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 cover sort of sort of sector. Um, and it's not just about physical injuries at work. It can be about these other other injuries as well. We have seen, especially during COVID, an uptake in claims around workplace bullying and harassment, um, sometimes unfounded as well. Um, and in the cases where it was unfounded, it just seemed like there's a bit of an American-style litigious kind of money grab type opportunity um, coming through there. But so the, yeah, there, these things are handled through sort of management liability policies, where they have a section around um, employment, sort of sort of sort of section, uh, sort of coverages and things. And then there's also some of the work, workplace health and safety aspects that we cover that as well. But it's more about the other services as well. As employees work more from home, a lot of the corporations we work with are now looking at how do they, how does the company ensure security of and, and comfort and safety of the individual when they're working in their home office now for a majority of the week, as well as ensuring that the company data and records are, are secured as much as possible in that home environment. There's also value-add products coming to market now so that if a company has cyber insurance for their business, they can offer a cyber insurance personal product for the individual for their house. There's home insurance policies that are evolving now to support 
working from home or running a business from home in a more mainstream capacity as well. Um, and, and lots of these new sort of value-add sort of policies sort of coming, coming through as well where we can, we can do the company, may, may get a very large sort of, sort of life insurance, key person type insurance product and then be able to have that cover the directors. But now it also then covers the, the other employees in the business as well as a bit of an office perk with, with staff, um, with, with unemployment so low. We are seeing insurance starting to be bolted on to, as part of the employee value proposition as well with some of the companies as well as a way to retain and entice those staff members to, hey, if you come and work with our business, we will give you, um, we'll insure your car, we will insure your um, work at your house because you work from home, we'll provide you some life insurance benefits as well, which you usually wouldn't have maybe possibly thought of at your point in your, your sort, of, sort of career. And and these become part of employee influence, the uh, employee value propositions. We've worked with some of our probably more medium to larger clients, where they're thinking out of the box a little bit on that on that sort of space. So that's where I think we're sort of seeing those risks being mitigated a little bit. Going back to your question around those C-suite people around stresses and and those sort of things, because everyone's working a lot harder now as well. We've noticed just because all the staff seems to have disappeared. Yeah. Well, apparently the um, the Reserve Bank doesn't agree with that statement. So. Uh um, the claim is that we're not working hard enough and I uh, think they're not in touch with uh, reality because I agree with you. I think uh, those who are working are working um, harder. Um, but that's... Especially in this business owner, especially in this business owner space. Where it, you, our, it, our list. it really is. But I think that's, that's really um, expanded my consciousness actually around the whole remote work thing as well. Um, we're a completely remote organisation, have been for um, 12, 12 or 13 years now. Um, and... Uh, I think that is fantastic. I'm <clears throat> I'm a strong evangelist for the for the idea of um, balancing uh, your professional life with your personal life, yeah. and living better as humans whilst we are still under a monetary economy. Um, that uh, yes, you know we have to we have to have a professional life if we're going to earn some money. Um, but to be able to do it um, with better conditions and more human friendly conditions, I think is the way forward. I, I really. I uh, don't like the narrative that's built um, through some of the mainstream media at the moment where there's um, negativity around, around remote work and all, all of these so-called headlines around the problems with remote work. It's, it's, that feels a little bit uh, advertorial, if you ask me. I think there's maybe a small number of people who think working from the office has to be come back in full force. But I think if businesses can operate remotely, they should because it's better for the teams, better for um, the longevity of the relationship, the health of the, the relationship, the balance of all those, all life, you know, kids, homes, yeah, um, yeah. other interests. Other interests. changed now. For the working culture in Australia especially, I think has been irreversibly changed now where we, we have a, a large office here that I'm sitting in today. But um, it's, it's, if everyone came into the office, we wouldn't have enough desks. You know, so, so it's just we, we, and the office here for us is an environment where you catch up, you reconnect, you share problems, you solve them together for clients, insurance outcomes. And then when I work from home, it's when I'm sitting there at the computer processing and doing, doing sort of self-guided work all day. Um, and I think that striking that balance in whatever the workplace is, is, is I think the key to success of that business. So it's, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that the industry of insurance is responding to the, um, I guess, the evolution of um, our community culture around work life um, and having having products that can actually stand out. I think that's fantastic. I'll be looking further into that as well, Giuseppe. 
Thank you so yeah. much um, for taking the time today and actually walking us through, um, you know, what seemingly is a, a word that we hear very often, insurance, um, but to actually sort of, you know, um, explain that in the context of the variety of use cases that arise within the context of either being a healthcare provider or alternatively being a health tech um, business. Um, and, um, and looking at, you know, those layers of sophistication that grow over time where, you know, perhaps in, in your younger life in business, you're just not even mindful of these things and, um, you will find out about it, uh, one way or the other. Um, but it's better to work with somebody who's got domain knowledge, domain expertise, who's been there, done that either directly or through their client base, such as yourself, Giuseppe, get access to that knowledge and experience, surround yourself with a star chamber of expertise um, it's going to infuse into you, make you a better business operator, help you with managing risk, help you with um, iterating the tweaks and changes that are needed in order to keep your business as financially sustainable as possible. So very much appreciate your time today, Giuseppe. Thank you so much. That no, was a lovely conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Absolute pleasure, mate. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.